All right, let's talk about this unbelievable win by the Indianapolis. How about the Colts today? Colts get the 34-27 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. So they go to 3-2-1, uh, and one, the countdown. 3-2-1, boom! It's a win for the Colts. And they are tied atop the AFC South. How about that? Uh, we're brought to you, as always, by the great people at BUSR, BUSR.com backslash Kent. You donate or donate, deposit initially 100 bucks or more. You get $25 in free casino play. How about that? Some chips action for a, uh, for a Sunday. This was a terrific game. Really, really fun. Uh, the Colts kind of got off to that typical Colts start. Things not going well early. And then they went great. Then things started to really roll. And then in the fourth quarter, the Jaguars found a way to drive on the Colts and continue to convert third down after third down after third down. Stephon Gilmore with a P.I. intermingled there on a third and 12. I didn't like the call. I got to tell you, every time I see Jerome Boger as an official, I think, woof, are we going to get a whistle or what? You know what I mean? It's going to be cuckoo time. But it's cuckoo time that is uh, kind of, uh, at least it's fair. The bad calls are, are sort of uh, evenly spread, and, and so you don't hate it too much. Uh, but Jerome Boger, never a guy that you really look forward to having a game called by. Matt Ryan, today, awesome. Uh, 42 completions, 58 attempts, 389 yards, uh, three touchdowns, and a passer rating of 107. How about this? The Indianapolis Colts, they won today despite allowing Trevor Lawrence to complete 20 of 22 passes, 163 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. The Jaguars didn't turn the ball over. They had 243 rushing yards, averaged 7.4 yards per attempt, three rushing touchdowns, and somehow, some way, the Colts come up winners. That's why we love the NFL, right? Let's, uh, let's take some calls. And by the way, breakfast with Kent tomorrow at about nine o'clock on the YouTube channel. Kent. Wait, Fulton, how you doing this afternoon? Great, how you doing? I'm, I'm so I'm happy good. that the Colts won already. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it's party time in Central Indiana. Isn't it? Yep, so and who, I who's uh, your MVP today, Fulton? Oh, let's see, mine would be uh, Matt Ryan. Yeah, hard to hard to pick against Matt Ryan, right? And Matt Ryan, a guy who was under some duress, some some heat from the fans as Sam Ellinger was elevated to the active roster. A lot of people wanted Ellinger to get the start today in place of Matt Ryan. And I keep telling people that's crazy talk, but they keep coming with it. And today, Matt Ryan showed everybody exactly why he is the starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Let's go to Jakari Powell. We got a lot of callers, so we're going to get him on. As What's up? What's up? Thanks for the call, Fulton. How are you, Jakari? Doing great. Uh, you know, Colts won today. Can't be happier, especially the way we won. You know, I, I was I was looking. I was like, no, Matt Ryan's throwing it in the air on third and thirteen. Oh my god! And then you know, I see Alex Pierce walking the end zone. I was unbelievable, screaming. wasn't it? I want to talk about Deion Jackson. He he went like he did great. He did. He had twelve carries, forty-two yards, which isn't the great part. The great part was the ten receptions. 79 yards. Uh, he got 22 touches today and 116 yards. That's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and people talk about Matt Ryan is trash. I don't think he's trash. 
you see what happens when he has competent blocking. Like, get Matt Pryor out of the tackle position, and you see what happens. He he was sitting there. I didn't even panic today as much as I always do. I was like, okay, he's sitting there. He's sitting there, you know. He great. seemed very calm in the pocket, and and it seemed like Dennis Kelly at left tackle really made things kind of work well, despite the fact that the Jaguars blitzed their asses off, right? Yeah, and we still protected. He was still able to throw the ball. 389, four, I mean, three touchdowns? Like, let's go. Unbelievable. Let's uh, let's go to JP. How you doing, JP? Thanks for the call, Jakari. Okay, Kent. So there's a lot of players that play great. We can talk about them. But the elephant in the room is we had a coach who made the right calls in every situation for the first time since he's been a coach for this team. I've you never... know, it helps when the players play well, though, right? Well, I mean, it does, but he every time you got nervous because you're like, he's going to make the dumb call, he's going to make yeah. the dumb call, and he just didn't. And I ever I was more surprised every time he didn't make the wrong call. And uh, <laughs> and look, I'm I'm the first guy to to you know throw right to the wolves. So the guy gets a game ball because that was truly his best management of a game that I've seen. Certainly this season, but it seems like forever. I agree with you. I, I thought he was really good, and it didn't bother me that they didn't get the two-point conversion. I understood going for it. I'm usually I'm usually not a point chaser until the fourth quarter, but you knew that if, if the Jaguars were going to come back and they were going to score, that they would go for two, and it would be in the hands of the defense as to whether that going for two made any sense. It wound up being moot. Obviously, but what would you think of the O-line play? Would you think of Nelson Kelly? We've talked about Dennis Kelly a little bit, but Ryan well, Kelly, uh, Braden Smith at tackle, and Matt Pryor at guard. I, I I think it was the little bit fool's gold, and here's why. Because Ryan was getting rid of the ball the fastest that he yep. has since he's been here. He was he looked like Phillip Rivers. That's who I was thinking when I saw him playing. He was take the snap throw, take the snap throw, take the snap throw almost the entire game, which kept their pass rush from getting to him. And it also wore their pass rush out. Yep. And, uh, and so, you know, he, everybody, and I, and I got to credit coaching for that because, you know, Matt Ryan has held on to the ball way too long all season until this game. They obviously talked to him. They obviously got him, got him doing the right thing. And I, I was really impressed with the fact that he changed how he's been all season and was able to hit those quick passes. And that was the key. The The line the line was still a little suspect. But, you know, Jacksonville, the strength of Jacksonville is their pass rush. So, you know, I, I think that um, they, they were better. I think certainly we know who our left tackle is now, I think. But um, I still think it was all about Matt Ryan getting rid of the ball fast. What did you think? Well, I, I thought exactly the same thing. And I thought James Lofton actually did a pretty good job of pointing stuff out during the game, saying that, you know, the Colts operating in the way that they did is going to kind of gas that Jacksonville pass rush a little bit. And I think that they did get gassed. And you could see it late in the game. You could see it on that roughing the passer penalty that was absolutely and, and the thing about that penalty is that not only it was, a pe was it a penalty, it was like a penalty two times because he hit Matt Ryan in the head, and then he hit him in the head a second time and kind of grabbed his face mask 
And if you're going to do that kind of stuff as a rookie, you're going to cost your team games, points. And and as the Jaguars move through this season, that call and that penalty, I think, is going to loom absolutely huge. And I think, well, didn't he do that? Like they said he did it last game, the same thing. Yeah. So, yeah, yep. they've got to, they got to get their arms around Mr. Number One draft pick. But uh, I'll get off of here. You got a bunch of people in line, but uh, great job, Kent, and uh, nice to get a win. I appreciate it, JP. Thanks very much. Let's go to Rick. How you doing, Rick? Make sure and unmute yourself. How you doing this afternoon? Rick, how you doing? Hey, uh, while you're uh, unmuting yourself, I there you are. How you doing this afternoon? Oh, he's back to being muted. All right, let's as Rick figures that out, we we'll are. go over some of the statistics. And this really, there you are. Yeah, sorry How you about doing? that. Now, I think I'm going to be a little bit redundant with what JP said, but I'm. I think there's a couple of things. One, um, it feels like this is like the first real healthy receiving crew we've had in a while, um, and so yeah. I think that makes a difference. And two, again, I'm reiterating what JP said. The play calling today was pretty much spot on. Given given Ryan putting Ryan in a position to have those quick slants and have those quick outs with his with his passing, I think made the difference. I'm not ready to say the O-line had some significant uh, development, although I'm, I'm optimistic about it based on what we saw. But I do think the play calling and the healthy wide receiver crew today uh, made a difference. And wait, what a win to do that with almost no running game. It's just huge. Yeah, zero. You didn't have Hines, didn't have Taylor. But what you did have, you had Michael Pittman Jr., who had 13 catches for 134 yards. And during the offseason, I was a little bit like, look, the Colts not only don't have depth, they don't have anybody at the top, right? They don't have a number one receiver. They've got a number two receiver in Pittman, and you're hoping that Pierce develops into a number three. We can't count on Campbell for anything. Well, Campbell has now played six straight games, and he was really good today with seven catches. And Pittman looks like a legit number one, both in terms uh, of being able to catch and move with the ball after the catch and creating separation is kind of a possession guy. I love Pittman. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Pittman is, is a show-off day for him, for sure, just not only by stats, but just the way he handled himself on the field. But then I, I'm going to say that Pierce has so much promise. The way he goes up and fights for balls and his ability to catch a ball in tough situations, not just in today's game, but we've seen it in a couple other times. I think between the two of those guys, we can actually start seeing that we, we have some legitimate receiving weapon. And if you give Matt Ryan in the right position, I think we got uh, we got a really going there offensively and i'd say this is the thing that's really given us hope what i hope happens and thanks so much for the call rick i appreciate it um before we talk to toby uh make sure to meet yourself toby what i think we might look at as we as we see this season in the rearview mirror after the season ends i think maybe we see this game as kind of the switch being flipped and all of a sudden this team becoming competent and finding itself and its rhythm offensively and just not being a defensively dominant team, but a team that offensively can go put up points. This is the most points by 14 that the Colts have scored since last Christmas. So a, uh, a really good win, not just for the team overall, but really good for Matt Ryan and really good for the offense. Let's go to Toby. How you doing, Toby? Hey, Ken, how you doing? I'm great. Hey, the Colts got to win, so I'm happy with that, right? The win yeah. is a win. We'll take it. Now, the uh, a couple of points I'll make. One, I kind of disagree with JP there as far as the whole – I think it's in terms of best game ever called in his in his coaching tenure with the coach, I don't think that's – I think it's a little bit uh, 
um, dramatic, but in terms of the today's game, I the only the part that I have a hard problem with is our defensive line. I mean, up until today, we were kind of a top ten, if you will, top five defensive line as far as rushing. Yeah, and they gashed us. I mean, they. I would. I was kind of hoping that when they came out of the half, they would have made. We would have made the, the enough of uh, adjustments to continue stop or to stuff them better, and it. it I think that's what kept them in the game because we had Trevor Lawrence for the most part uh, in check for most of the game, as a, for the most part, you know. I'll tell I you just, what, though. They had four sacks in the first half, and I think that Grover Stewart, week after week after week, is playing his ass off and is playing at a pro bowl level and, and has been absolutely awesome. So with, with those limited, like that limited exception, uh, I agree with you, but I, I would make those those comments to the contrary. Yes, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart were animals today. You got to have those guys, and you, you have to have them play at at a Pro Bowl level for that defense to work. You got to get good work out of your defensive tackles, and that's why the Colts gave up the thirteenth overall pick to go get DeForest Buckner yeah. and, and paid him. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Let's go to Isaiah. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Toby. Isaiah, how you doing this afternoon? Got to feel really good about the Colts and this win against a team that now has fallen to two and four. And so kind of the Jaguars, they were sort of the sexy pick, I think, for a while to win the AFC South. Looks like at two and four, they're kind of uh, deep in, in, the, uh, in the background of, of, a, of a lack, a, a less than perfect division, I guess is the best way to put it. Sure, and I think, you know, Jacksonville's come down to earth a little bit, right? It doesn't mean they're a bad team, but they've come down to earth a little bit. And clearly, Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence have got something figured out over there, and I expect them to be a a formidable foe in the coming years. But really beyond that, I mean, there's there's a lot of thoughts. I have more thoughts about this game than, um, than some of our other most recent games, really in that I'm just hoping that Frank and that coaching staff is – up front about the changes that they've made in the passing game because they can pretend like, well, now we've executed. Our game plan has always been the right one, but now we've executed. We all saw Matt Ryan get rid of the ball in under one second. That's not yeah. because the offensive line played better. Or it's not because the receivers got separation. It's because they called different plays. Plain and simple, they called plays that allowed Matt to get rid of the ball, and it worked. So as long as they can continue to do that and have some humility and maybe – you don't need plays to grow down the field. Like, take them when you can get them, like the late Alec Pierce touchdown. But that that those crossing routes to to uh, Pitt were uh, absolute daggers to that Jags defense. I loved to see it. And we didn't see much of that early on in the season. What do you think? Oh, I, I completely agree. I think that they've, they've figured out what they do well, and they've figured out what is difficult for other teams to defend that they can do well. And I think both those things are both those things I think are distinct and both are really, really important. Here's an interesting statistic as it occurs to me. Um, I cannot imagine in the history of the NFL a team has lost while its starting quarterback has completed more than 90% of his pass attempts and your running game chalked up 242 yards. That to me, right. that could not have possibly ever happened 
And somehow the Colts got that done. And and I think it was entirely due to the offense. And and occasionally the defense kind of rose up and got some work done. But this was uh, another, you know, as we watch his team and they're 3-2-1, and one, the, the three games that they've won could so easily have been losses. Yep. And, and then that tie could easily have been a loss. They really haven't put anybody away or, or shown themselves to be actually the better team on the field. But somehow, some way, they've won more than they've lost. And I think it's fascinating. It is. It, you're right. It is. And if you're if you're the optimist about it and you like to think, oh, we're just getting it figured out, then through six games, you can't really ask for much better than three, two, and one. I think right now it, it, it's not the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But if, if if these are the growing pains, it's a whole hell of a lot better than one and four. It's a whole hell of a lot better than one and five. So we just need to take it take it week by week and, and try and be content, but also hope our coaching staff doesn't get complacent in their play calling. I appreciate it, Toby, uh, or uh, uh, Isaiah. Good call. Let's go back to Toby. And I think that one thing Isaiah said that, that really resonated with me is this. It seems that the coaching staff has found a little bit of humility. And, and I think that the Colts as an organization kind of need to find humility. And instead of patting themselves on the back as a presumptive champion of the AFC South, actually do the work necessary to earn that. I, I think that that's important to make the adjustments in order to be able to earn that. Activate yourself as a caller. We'll talk to you. Let's go to Toby. How you doing, Toby? Good, Kent. Yeah, I have to agree with him. I'm hoping that the, 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 the play calling does, doesn't get – complacent i think they did really good with the, the quick passes he was faster than he has been in a long time i i gotta ask you a question because i can only listen to it uh i'm out of market for viewing so zero sacks zero, zero interceptions we'll take that all day over the over the rushing yards by the by the other opposing team uh what was his o-line was i mean Werner Raman was not there was who was the right tackle i didn't get to know that stuff the the o-line wound up being Dennis Kelly, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, Matt Pryor, and Braden Smith. And, and they seem to work together reasonably well. But uh, like JP said, they got rid of the ball. Matt Ryan got rid of the ball yes. on time on target the entire day. Yes. And, it, and that's the way you mitigate a, a pass rush like the Jaguars were bringing. In the first half, they were blitzing all over the place. And, and the Colts were kind of scratching their heads and other body parts trying to figure out how to deal with it. And then in the second half, I thought they made the adjustments necessary to be able to move the ball and move the chains and put themselves in a position to go get points. Um, but I think it was more really about the pace and rhythm of the offense and, and that w- the West Coastness of I, the offense. I... And, and a bit of a confidence for Matt Ryan that he was going to deliver the ball in the right place at the right time and not have to kind of check down, not have to go through progression after progression after progression and, and stand in there and get whacked. You know, I, I agree. I, I, I would, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I would agree, but I would also, I, the, the, the changes on the O-line, they're shifting what they've done cannot be ignored. Oh, no. No, but let, let me ask you this. Do you think it's good or do you think it's bad? I think in terms of this particular game, it's good, and I think that they need to look at that in future terms of being able to shift around as needed per team that they play based upon past habits. What worries me about the whole thing is that they thought, at least somebody did, thought that Matt Pryor could play tackle. 
And I don't yes. know how you wake up in the morning and think, you know what? I, I think we can win with Matt Pryor's our left tackle. I, that that's just. And then they switch him over to right tackle and throw Braden Smith inside, which I kind of understand because Braden Smith is an elite level run blocker. But it, it, Matt Pryor isn't any better on the right side at tackle than he was on the left side. And I don't understand what's going on in the heads of Chris Strasser or or Bailey or Reich in in making the de- determination that that guy is a suitable right tackle or left tackle for this team. Yeah. I, I don't mean to be uh, like Debbie Downer about the whole thing. Colts won, you know, screw it. No, they absolutely. It absolutely. That, that's what I'm just, I was do. curious about the changes. Yeah. And, and you know what, you've got to evolve. Yeah. And they did. They evolved their thinking. Um, but I wish they had evolved it a little bit sooner. I heard Rick Venturi on the radio this week say, you know what, you, you've got to throw Matt Pryor inside. He's a guard. And, and Braden Smith is a legit, almost Pro Bowl-level right tackle. So what are you doing throwing Braden Smith into the guard position and having Matt Pryor, who's not a guard or not a tackle, play tack? It, 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 it defied kind of belief. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Rob. Unmute yourself. How are you doing, Rob? All right, Kent. How are you? It's a good day, isn't it? A good day. I just wanted to make sure I think Frank should get a credit for that third and two or whatever it was that he got the touchdown pass to Pierce. I just think he would have gotten slammed if that hadn't worked out for not oh, going, yeah. setting himself up for the setting himself up for the go ahead field goal. And I think it took some guts, unless you think it was an audible for him to uh, call that play. Oh no, I think that it was absolutely planned. And it was the play. It was actually a third and 13. And it, because yeah, right. uh, Ryan, he, he kind of tripped and he fell. They didn't count it as a sack. Correct. It's a loss, yeah. of, a loss of yardage for uh, rushing. Um, <laughs> but they were in line for a 50-yard field goal. And, and you feel okay, but they took a whack. They got single coverage outside on Pierce. And and Matt threw it up. Pierce came down with it. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, dancing in the streets in downtown Indianapolis. You get the W. Um, you know what? If that had gone the other way, if they had rolled a safety over to help and the safety would have gone and gotten the football and, and they get the pick, people in Indianapolis would be calling for Frank Reich's head. But that's right. that's what that's what happens with coaching. You make a call. You show you got some balls. And, and you, you say, this is how we're going to win the game. And that's and how you, you go, treat the home. And you do it and you execute and they got it done. And the home field crowd appreciated it. And I think that's a place to do it at. So I couldn't agree more. I think that that, you know what, this kind of, I think it kind of salves the wounds that the fan base uh, was feeling. Thanks again for the call. Appreciate it, Rob. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, good game, fun game. Make sure and unmute yourself. But I think it is. Uh, hey, I thought. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kent. I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought. Right. I thought Fulton was in front of me. Sorry. Um, I actually got back in to ask you a question. Um, sure. I'm curious what your thoughts are going forward about our wide receiver core. I know that was that's been a big talk. We've talked about it every week outside of Thursday. We missed you last Thursday, but we've talked about our receivers and and. I think we've seen some good stuff lately, but what are your thoughts about acquiring a veteran? Are we still in that boat, or where are we? What do you think? Well, you know what? I think that they showed today that they're really three deep. 
they were four deep with Ashton Doolin, Doolin being on IR, but he's likely to come back. That's a good thing. He's got the toe injury. Um, I like Pittman as the number one. I think he'd be psychotic not to. I like Pierce as a guy who, if they're going to single him, he can go up and get the football. I like Paris, the way they're using him on crossers and, and kind of slants and putting him hopefully in some space where he can run with it a little bit and try to stay healthy, which he has so far. I like those three, but if you get deeper than those three, I know Mike Strawn has some fans in Indianapolis, and I haven't been terribly generous with him, but I think that that's justified. I, I'm, I'm not a big Mike Strawn fan. I, I think if Mike Strawn's going to play wide receiver at the NFL level, he's got to make the catch that he didn't make getting one hand on it in the end right. zone. You, right. You've got to be able to make that catch. And, yep. and Strong not being able to make it, I, I think that they go three deep to answer your question. Uh, and if any of them go down, then you do have a problem. And you're going to, I think you're going to have to sign somebody off the street because I don't think they go deeper than that. Sure. What sure. Do you think? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, more my, I mean, really my, my question was more, we need depth. Of course. Uh, my question was more at, so the rookie Alec Pierce has really stepped up, I think, over the last couple yeah. of weeks. So our conversation early on was, okay, well, we all like Pitt, but, I mean, is he maybe a little – are we a little high on a dude that really hasn't done a bunch? I mean, I love Pitt, and he showed himself this year. But prior to this year, are we pretending like he's some pro bowler? Like, he has proven he's a one, and I think Pierce over the last couple of weeks has proven he can be a two. Paris yeah. is possibly a two. So are we like not interested in superstar receivers like Odell or guys like that? Have we left that market? And are we kind of just looking on at dudes on their last leg like Ty and stuff like that? Or 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 where are we? Or do we need more depth for like two, three level guys or like a veteran superstar that can go get you a touchdown in an uh, AFC divisional game? You know, I'd love to be in a position if if I were Ballard where that put us over the top kind yep. of like the Rams were last year going out and getting Beckham and, and becoming that championship type team. Uh, but I don't think he's coming to Indianapolis, no matter wh whether Ballard shows interest in Beckham or not. Right. I don't think he's coming to Indy. I, I think he's going to wind up back with the Rams. He loves it out there. He loves the yep. people. He loves the organization. And so that's where I think he winds up. And, sure. and if you, if you dig deeper than that among the guys who are on the street, you know, I, I don't think you're going to find, a, a guy that is going to give you what you need. So I think nope. they're going to dance with the girl that brung them. And, and that means that it's these three guys and you hope they stay healthy yep. because if you've got to go deeper than that, you got trouble. Totally agree. All right. Thanks totally so much agree. for the call. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go to Jake. How you doing, Jake? How you doing this afternoon? Happy, happy afternoon in central Indiana with the Colts winning 34 to 27. Uh, yeah, it was a great game. I had, was really not expecting that at the end with the third down call uh, to Alec Pierce. That was felt reminiscent, not quite the same, but felt reminiscent of the Taylor walk-off against the Patriots last year. Yeah. The feeling about it. But I will say, though, during the 10-minute drive that led to the Colts drive there at the end, I just kept thinking, <clears throat> I really wish we had Shaquille Leonard out there right now because yeah. this at the time he would have made it a turnover of some sort. Well, and here's something about that last play to Pierce that I think is really important is that because Matt Ryan is now a 15 year veteran, 
as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Frank Reich is going to entrust him to, if it's there, get it. If it's not there, throw the damn thing out of bounds and we're all done. You know what I mean? He wasn't going to put it in a situation where a safety coming over the top was going to be able to go get the ball or that the corner, if he had good coverage, he was going to be able to go get the ball. They were not going to throw a pick in that situation. And in Frank Reich being able to trust that Matt Ryan wasn't going to throw that pick, I think is the advantage or one of the many advantages that Matt Ryan has over a guy uh, like Sam Ellinger, who you wouldn't trust in his first game to go make a play like that and think through it like that. I think this worked out exceptionally well. And Pierce, all of a sudden, you know, at 53rd overall pick, and I know we were all a little bit like, oh, man, it, you know, Sky Moore was taken with the pick right after. And and you had uh, you had Pickens go the pick before. Should they have uh, should they have been able to move up at some or, or not trade back? You know, they made decisions that let you know that they believed Pierce to be the right guy, and it looks like they were right. Uh, yeah, I would definitely agree. I watched a lot of Alec Pierce in college, and I just loved the draft pick immediately when I saw that. So he seems I to be – and I, I, think- I appreciate it. Thanks, Jake. Let's go back to JP. How you doing, JP? So I just wanted to add on to what you were just talking about with Pierce. Um, I thought that that last play for the touchdown was the safest call he could make. They were destroying our line at the end there. I was afraid we were going to get sacked and fumble and something horrible was going to happen. So he, he threw. The one thing you can count on Ryan is if he throws the ball, it's going where he's aiming. And, yep. and it was a low-risk throw because um, – it was going to be one-on-one coverage because they weren't really expecting that call. I don't think there's anybody on the field that thought that was going to be the play. And um, so he threw it to Pierce where only Pierce could get his hands on it. Pierce was a volleyball guy. Pierce was going to be a monster. I think he's going to be a star in this league because that guy, that guy is not losing any 50, 50 balls. And he's, you know, here's the thing that worries me about Pierce JP and I was talking to my wife and son about it in the first half, is that after the catch, as he anticipates contact, he puts his head in exactly the wrong place. He puts his head at about waist level where guys are going to take a crack at it. And, and you know, a duty-free crack, you're not going to get penalized for hitting a guy in the head who's there. And, and so I worry, we had the one concussion, I worry about more. He's either got to get all the way down or he's got to stay upright if he wants to continue to play healthy in the league. Well, and that just leads me into the the other thing I wanted to say is we have no depth. In, and people are talking about wide receivers. We have no depth. If Pittman gets hurt, we're, we're screwed. Yeah. We're going to have a game like we did the first game against Jacksonville where we couldn't even score a point. And, the, you know, that's the difference in the games. Nobody Nobody's brought this up, but we didn't have Pittman or – uh, Pierce the first time we yep. played Jacksonville and and we had both of them and imagine winning this game without them there's no way we win this game today without those two on the field and so without any more depth you know I don't know what's going on with Doolin but I don't think Doolin is half the receiver that Pittman is and if we lose Pittman we're in a world of hurt and so that, that was the other point that I really wanted to make and I mean what do you 
I, you know, do you sign an Odell Beckham? And there's really nobody else out there on the market that's going to be an answer. What do you think? Well, I don't, I don't think he wants to come play here. I, I think it's virtually a done deal that he goes back to the Rams. Rams will find the money under the cap to be able to sign him. He loved it out there. He, he loves playing in that offense. Uh, he loves the organization. I think he winds up back with the Rams once he's cleared to play. And they say, you know, sometime in the next three, four weeks, he's going to be good to go. He'll have that knee healed up. But there, you're right. There's nobody else on the street that really is a guy that you point at and say, oh, he's really going to put us over the top. So at that point, what's the point, right? I, I totally agree with that. Let's uh, let's talk to uh, Toby. How you doing, Toby? Doing good, Kent. Um, thanks for taking the call again. Yeah. I just wanted to ask you a question. Your thoughts on, I think Isaiah brought it up as far as the wide receiver core, and JP did too. As far as the running backs, I mean, we know JT's a starter when he comes back healthy, and Naheem Hines would be second. So, I mean, over the past couple of games, do we think Philip Lindsay or Deion Jackson have earned active spots when those two come back? Boy, oh boy. You know, uh, during the game, as you watched today and as you watched last Thursday night in Denver, you saw Deion Jackson be a guy who could make people miss. And Naheem Hines, who I love as a guy, and he's got great straight line speed, but he didn't make anybody miss. You know, Deion Jackson, I think, is a really good change of pace running back for Jonathan Taylor. I, I think that Naheem is kind of that Swiss Army knife guy that you want to utilize in a bunch of different ways. But I like Deion Jackson. I, I think that Deion Jackson has played his way into some kind of meaningful rotation ahead of Lindsey today. He had he had 10 catches on 10 targets for 79 yards. He yeah. had 12 runs for 42 yards. That's only three and a half yards a carry. But that touchdown run, that was a man-sized run, and he did it with a bad wheel. You know, so yeah, he, it, you, you can infer something about his heart. You can infer something about his level of talent, his abilities. I think over the last two weeks, without Deion Jackson, you don't win either of those games. I think that that's an important point, and thanks for uh, bringing that up. Let's go back to Isaiah. How you doing, Isaiah? Hey, what's up, Kent? Yeah, no, yeah. I... Uh... I got back in here. Really, I wanted to get your thoughts on. We haven't really talked about it much, but the uh, the tight ends. I mean, we seem really yeah. tough when you consider the way a lot of guys have stepped up. And I know it's a couple weeks removed from practice and training camp, but I can remember when we were talking about Andrew Ogletree was the rookie that was going to start, and Jelani Woods has sure made his mark. So when you consider Ogletree being healthy next year, is that really? three, four guys, if you consider Granson, three, four huge bodies out there. I mean, that that could be dangerous if we can utilize those big bodies well. What do you think? I, I think you're exactly right, and I think they've got to make a decision about Mo Ali Cox. Mo didn't even get a target today. Um, Granson had four catches on four targets, and Jelani had two catches on three for 27 yards and that touchdown on the ball that, like, you know, James Lofton was like, oh, being able to catch that ball down around his waist, you know, at his height. My God, if you can't catch that ball, take your uniform right. off and go right. home and right. do something else for a living. Yeah. I didn't understand all the, you know, the pomp and circumstance verbally about what that was. But I, Ogletree is really, really interesting. And people like in camp, he was different. He was different from Woods. He was different from Ali Cox. 
and that they got him late as they did, you thought, whew, like that, he was blocked. I thought he blocked well, and I thought right. that he was a really dynamic receiver. I, hmm. I think that there are four legit guys at the tight end spot, and it's kind of musical chairs. You got four guys, yeah. you got three chairs. They're going to have to figure it out, but, you know, better to have that. Although I thought they were going to be a little bit more prolific. You know, I thought combined the tight end group was going to be good for 100 catches and maybe 800 yards. And maybe that comes to pass. But uh, this has been, I'm not going to, like on a day like today, nothing's disappointing. But I really thought that Matt Ryan was going to throw to that collective group like he used Pitts last year down in Atlanta, and it just kind of hasn't happened. Uh, look, to wrap things up today, let's go to Fulton. You, you were the first caller. Now you're going to be the last caller. How you doing, Fulton? Okay. Fulton. What? Oh, so I got some news for you, Kent. Yeah? I got in uh, fourth place for Hampton County Special Olympics Bowling Tournament. Wow, did you really? Yes, I did. That's excellent. Congratulations. Yeah. So, do you know if um, Jonathan Taylor might be coming back? Well, it, it, according to Andrew Catalan and James Lofton and their meeting on Friday with Reich, the guys who did the game on CBS4, um, he was pretty optimistic that Taylor was going to be good to go today. He wasn't. So you would think that he's got a pretty good chance to play uh, next Sunday against the Titans, and you hope that he does. Because if he does, that gives them uh, kind of a different identity offensively. And despite the fact that they've won both games where they didn't have Taylor, um, you know, having Jonathan Taylor is a hell of a lot better than not having him. So having him back, having you got to figure Naheem Hines is going to be back. Uh, you know, this, this is a team that, that might be more whole than it's been almost the entire season going into that game against the Titans, where if you win... You're in first place in the AFC South, and that's cool. Thank you, Fulton, and congratulations. You're welcome. That's Thank you, Ken. Uh, that's wonderful news. Uh, Thank that you. you. You came in fourth place. I dig it. And and that's even better news than the, than the Colts winning today. I uh, want to remind everybody, breakfast with Kent tomorrow morning, about 9 o'clock. We're sleeping in a little bit tomorrow. Throughout the week, we're going to go a little bit later. And uh, then inside Indiana Sports Now at 4 o'clock or thereabouts, depending on the schedule over at the Colts Complex or with Pacers, because we got to talk Pacers and we got to talk some Indiana basketball too and Indiana football. Indiana with a, uh, a loss yesterday against Maryland, and that's the way it goes, although they were competitive. We'll talk about all of that tomorrow morning. The regular season uh, opener looms. For the Pacers, this coming Wednesday, they play their first three at home. They have lineless confessions or concessions and confessions. You want to confess your sins as you go to the concession stand. You can do that privately. Um, but, you know, you go in, you swipe your card, and you grab your beers or your soft drinks or whatever, and you walk out, and your, your card is debited in the right amount. How about that? Uh, but Colts win three, two, and one. Man, this this season is just crazy. I know we said that we were over, but as you look at this season, the tie against the Texans obviously could have gone the other way. The win against the Chiefs obviously could have gone the other way. That was a three point win, and really facilitated by Sky Moore muffing a punt 
right? If that doesn't happen, no way the Colts win that game. And then they went against the Broncos 12-9, where lots of bad things happen to the Broncos that if any of them don't happen, the Colts lose that game. And then today, the Colts allow Trevor Lawrence to complete better than 90% of his attempts, and they allow the Jaguars to pile up 242 rushing yards, and somehow they wind up winning 34-27, where you think that if the Colts don't, you know, if they allow somebody to score more than 20, there's no chance they're going to win because the Colts haven't scored more than 20 since Christmas night last year. But they got it done, and it's a beautiful thing. And we'll talk tomorrow, Breakfast with Kent. Uh, I can't wait. If you don't subscribe to the YouTube channel, you must do that. We give away prizes to subscribers, for goodness sake. Let's go, right?